Hello, my name is Andrew Gomison, and it is my privilege to be your host for the Speaking for Him podcast. Every week, I try to give you some encouragement on this journey that we call the Christian life. And if I have encouraged you, I would really appreciate it if you would drop me a line and let me know what has encouraged you and what you would like to hear brought up on the podcast in the future. Your feedback truly does make a difference. And also, please make sure that you share this with family and friends. Now, you may have noticed, if you are a regular subscriber to my podcast, that there is a new podcast on your podcast feed. That is because this week I have launched the Culture Watch podcast. This is a brand new podcast venture of Speaking for Him. And essentially what this is, is it is a new separate podcast which will be focused on speaking of current events and news stories from a Christian perspective. This has been so important to me to bring to you each and every week, but I have had it recommended to me that I separate it from the normal content of the Speaking for Him podcast. So please give your feedback. Let me know what you think of the new show and of any of my Speaking for Him podcasts. That's really how I can make this better for you and continue to fulfill my calling to encourage you to walk worthy of the gospel to which you have been called. With that being said, I'm excited to jump in to today's podcast topic. Last week we started introing a series on myths versus reality, specifically having to do with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we covered four of those myths last week. We're going to wrap up with three more. But before we jump in, I would like to share with you our quote of the day. Now, our quote of the day comes from a scripture that I have shared many times on the Speaking for Him podcast because it really is foundational to what we believe and the reason why we exist here at Speaking for Him. And that is Hebrews 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Most of the myths surrounding Jesus Christ are tied directly to this idea that we can make Jesus in our image, make him say what we want him to say, and update him for the times. But the Bible makes it clear that Jesus never changes. He is the same today as he was 2,000 years ago when he walked the earth. And so we need to preach that kind of Jesus. So as we look at these myths and corresponding truths, let us look at it through that lens. That the whole reason why there is power in following Jesus is that he is unchanging. The first myth is Jesus would embrace the modern understanding of social justice, which says that each individual has the moral authority over themselves, and they should have the freedom to embrace their truth. This myth is where we get the idea of being able to express yourself however you want, sexually, 
meaning that you can be homosexual or heterosexual or transsexual. But the reality is that God gave us a particular guideline for how he made us sexually. He made us men and women, and he made men and women to come together in marriage to propagate the species and bring glory to God and provide companionship for one another. This is also the myth that allows people to believe that they can slaughter their unborn children if those children are not convenient for them at the time. Because after all, they have the individual moral authority to do what they want. But the truth of the matter is that the only way to overcome oppression is to trust Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Our society will only have true freedom as we rest on the unchanging moral standards of the word of God. So the truth is, to use these two examples again, that God created marriage between a man and a woman, and he created them male and female because that is part of all things being done decently and in order in the creation. He made you for a purpose, and you are an expression of his divine creativity. On the issue of abortion, the moral authority of the word of God tells us that we are made in the image of God, and thus that image should be preserved. The reason that abortion is running rampant today is because Satan hates the image of God, and he will do anything to see it stifled. So how should we approach this discussion when we talk to others? Let's look at some scriptures, shall we, about what our proper response should be. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And this seems like it's a headline out of the newspaper today. It is good to express yourself sexually as someone other than what God made you. But it is bad to pray for the preservation of unborn babies. I just heard a story today on another podcast about two people who are brutally beaten simply for praying outside of an abortion clinic. And the abortion clinic provider said, we do not condone violence. The commentator on the podcast said, yes, you do, because the very nature of your business is violence. It is horrifically violent to take the lives of unborn children. But we are living in a culture where they say that evil is good and good is evil. Then we read in John seventeen seventeen, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. I say this often when I'm preaching, but it is so true. God's word is the definitive article. He never says maybe anywhere in scripture. He only says yes and amen. So if you want to know where the truth is, look at the word of God. Because it does not change. And then we read Matthew nineteen four to 8 And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read 
that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh? Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. They say unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement, and to put her away? He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And again, that's Matthew 19, 4-8. So Jesus is giving us the picture of what marriage is supposed to be. God created them male and female. He put them together in marriage. And he said, God joined them together. Let no man put them asunder. And finally, for this myth, we can bring people to Psalm 139, 13 to 15, and John 8, 31 to 32. But let's look at the Psalms passage first. And it says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee, when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Psalm 139, 13-15 So the psalmist is detailing, through some sort of divine revelation, the process of human life being created in the womb. Now, people who have the worldview that we came from nothing and are going to nothing are never going to understand this worldview, but it is nonetheless true. And then finally, we see from John eight thirty one and 32, Jesus says this, Then Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So again, Jesus is the source of truth. I like what it says here, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. Because so many people are out there saying things are in the word of God without really knowing the word of God. So if we truly are his disciples, we need to be in the word. Myth number six, Jesus wants to inspire others. Surely, Jesus is inspiring in a sense. It is very inspiring to see an example of the Lord Jesus who did what was the will of his Father and did it 100% of the time. And surely to follow that example is a blessing. But the ultimate reality is that Jesus is not just an inspiration. Jesus came to save us from destruction. Without Jesus, we would be headed for death. I have heard some people say, well, Jesus went to the cross just for love. Well, if it was just for love, why would he hang on a Roman 
gibbet of shame, having no sin in himself, just to declare love. He wouldn't. The reality is that out of his love, he hung on the cross because we needed to be redeemed from our sin. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So he had to die. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7 say it this way, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, than an heir of God through Christ. It's interesting that Jesus told his disciples, you are my friends. And Paul is telling us here that we are not just servants of Christ, we are sons of God through Christ. What an amazing truth. Then we see in... 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And again, that's 2 Corinthians 5.21. What we see here is that we did not have a capacity to be made the righteousness of God. In Romans chapter 1 it says, No one seeks after God There is none righteous, no, not one. So what God did is he sent Jesus Christ, his son, to become sin for us, because he was capable of becoming sin for us, where we were not capable of becoming righteousness. He was capable of becoming sin and giving us his righteousness as a gift. The next passage I want to share with you is a little long, but as I was contemplating it, I didn't see a good way to cut it. Ephesians 2, 1-7 says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we had our conversation in time past in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are ye saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. So Paul is telling us through this passage that we were dead in trespasses and sins. I've said on multiple occasions on this podcast, God didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. 
Spiritually, I was laying on the bottom of the ocean with no hope. I was dead. And Jesus pulled my carcass out of the ocean and breathed life into me. He did for me spiritually what he did for Adam physically in the beginning of time. And I love what it says here, but God. But God is one of my favorite phrases in the Bible because you know when it says but God, something powerful is going to happen. Sorrow will be turned to joy. Catastrophe will be turned to blessing. Fear will be turned to peace. And we are told that God's rich mercy comes from his love. And then he makes us alive. And then he raises us to sit together in heavenly places. There's nothing more exciting than that. When we look around us today and we see how bad things have gotten, we can remember that God is in control. The final myth that I want to consider with you today is the myth that believing in Jesus is all that matters. Now, of course, when we usually say believing in Jesus, we're talking about a personal saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But in our modern age, where we have so many people making a Jesus in their own image, we need to be careful. Because it's not enough to believe in Jesus intellectually. You have to believe and receive him as your Lord and Savior. It's not enough to believe that he was a good person or even to believe that he was God. We must believe that he is God and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And we need to seek him biblically, not make him, as I said, in our own image. So what's the corresponding truth? The, the corresponding truth is what we believe about Jesus is of utmost importance. It's not enough to believe Jesus existed, that he was a special person, or even intellectually that he was the Son of God. We must believe that he was who he said he was, and we must claim that for ourselves. Paul said it this way in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul is saying, I believe that Jesus Christ is my strength, for living. I am crucified with Christ. The old man is dead. The man of sin has been crucified with Christ. And the life I now live, I live by faith 
of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul would say in another passage, In me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Continuing on, we read in 1 John 5, 10-13, and verse 20, the following. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, And this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. This is also one of my favorite passages because we are given the litmus test. We are told that he that believeth on the Son hath the witness in himself, but he that believeth not hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. Believing in the Son of God is key to our salvation. We can't just say Jesus was a good man, because if he was just a good man, then he was a liar, and if he was a liar, he wasn't a good man. Why do I say that? Because Jesus made it very clear that he was the Son of God. And we also read here that God gave us eternal life, And that the reason that John wrote this in his epistle was that we would know that we had eternal life. If you have ever struggled with whether you are actually saved or whether God gave you eternal life, you can take 1 John's word for it that you have eternal life if you have trusted Jesus Christ. And John says, And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Jesus Christ is the true God and the path to eternal life. What a blessing that is to know. So by way of review, I'm just going to go through these myths once again. Myth number five was that Jesus would embrace the modern understanding of social justice, which says that each individual has the moral authority over themselves and they should have the freedom to embrace their truth. The truth is the only way to truly overcome oppression is to trust Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Our society will only have true freedom as we rest on the unchanging moral standards of the Word of God. So on one side, you have my truth, which is only for me, and on the other side, you have the immutable truth of the Word of God, 
which is for everyone. And that is the solid truth upon which we base our faith. Because all of us at our best are very evil. So we're not capable of living by our truth. Then we see myth six. Jesus wants to inspire others. The truth is Jesus wants to save us from destruction. Jesus did not give his sermons to inspire others, but to change them. That's an important distinction that we must not be afraid of. And then finally, myth seven, believing in Jesus is all that matters. And the truth is what we believe about Jesus is of utmost importance. The reason that belief in Jesus Christ saves is because Jesus is the one and only Son of God. Remember, the demons believe and tremble, but they are headed to hell. It's not enough to believe. You must come to know the one true God through the power of the Holy Spirit. We see that Paul learned to live his life by the power of Christ living in him. We, and we see that the Apostle John assures us that if we believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, we, will, we can know that we have eternal life. We don't have to guess. I always feel bad for people who hope they will get into heaven. The hope that I have in Jesus Christ is not a maybe hope, but it is a definite hope because Jesus Christ gives definite promises. Remember, he promised his disciples that he would rise the third day. And he promises us today that he is coming back again. And because he did rise again the third day, we can trust him to come back again. Well, I hope that you've enjoyed uh, this brief study on the myths versus the truth of Jesus Christ. I hope that you will uh, use this episode and last week's episode as resources to share Christ with your family and friends. And as I said, my hope is to develop each of these myths into a more detailed podcast episode as the Lord grants wisdom because I think these are very important truths for us to know and carry with us as we present Jesus Christ to those we come in contact with. Because if we are presenting Jesus Christ as just a good man, then he's no different than you or I, and he does not have the capability to save. But thankfully, the real Jesus is the perfect, spotless Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's all I have time for on this episode, but until next time, have a great week and keep serving the best of masters. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.